Welcome to the Food Junkies Podcast. Here, we aim to provide you with the experience, strength, and hope of professionals actively working on the front lines in the field of food addiction. The purpose of our show is to educate you, the listener, and increase overall awareness about food addiction as a disease with abstinence as the solution. Here, we talk about all things recovery. Most importantly, how to thrive rather than just survive. So stay positive, make a change for yourself, tell others about your change, and hopefully the message will spread. Welcome to today's episode of the Food Junkies podcast. Today we have Mark Farley. Mark Farley has been active in the recovery fellowships for almost 30 years. Mark found his spiritual connection and his sobriety through the Salvation Army ARC program in 1991. They helped him get back on his feet and begin putting his life back together. Mark wound up going back to school to get his drug and alcohol counseling certificates and went through the Salvation Army's adjuant program to earn a pastoral certification. He worked at the Salvation Army for three years running their drug and alcohol rehab program and managing the homeless shelter in Sacramento, California. Mark has a passion for helping others to overcome their addictions and afflictions, as well as working with the homeless. Mark went on to build a very successful business that coordinated with hospitals and drug and alcohol treatment centers to medically manage detoxes before realizing his passion for helping the helpless, hopeless, hurting, and addicted. He earned his MBA and pastoral ordination while co-founding and building the 501C3 Furniture Bank, Inc. with his wife, Tammy. Mark is the senior pastor and founder of Faith Through Works Fellowship, an outreach church that works primarily with the homeless, helpless, hurting, and addicted. Known as the Hussing Pastor, you won't find Mark preaching from a pulpit on a Sunday. He prefers to be in the rehabs, shelters, and centers that helped him to find his way long ago. On today's episode, Mark shares his story. We talk about the creation of Sugar and Carb Addicts Anonymous, what people can expect at an SCAA meeting, how individuals can work past the God higher power roadblock when it comes to 12-step meetings, how someone might know SCAA is the right program for them, the benefits of working with a sponsor and the 12 steps, what Mark does every day for his recovery, what he still struggles with and how he manages. Mark tells us what he needed to hear when he was starting his recovery journey and so much more. Welcome, Mark. All right. We are so excited to have Mark Farley here from SCAA. And today he's going to tell us a little bit about his 12-step community. And we'll jump off and jump right in with getting you talking about what is your personal story and your aha moment when it came to, hey, I might be a sugar addict or a food addict. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Clarissa. Miss Molly, it's so, so wonderful to be here. How did I get to, to SCAA? Well, I'm a recovering drug and alcoholic addict, whatever you want to call me. My sobriety dates December 17th, 1991. So I'll have 30 years in December if I don't take another drink. But 12 steps saved my life. The 12 step and Salvation Army, that's my whole claim to fame. I got a story on the website. You can check that out if you like to. But here's the thing. I get my life together. I get sober. I start building a life. When I first got sober, I got sober in California, in the great state of California, because of my 12 DUIs, took away my driver's license for 10 years. So I rode a bicycle everywhere I went. And riding the bicycle, I got in great shape. One of the early things in my sobriety, which I didn't know at the time, was I switched addictions. I was addicted to Tootsie Pops, you know, those those suckers. I'd buy a whole bag of Tootsie Pops, and I would just eat them like cigarettes, okay, all day long. But I never knew that was a problem. But I go to college, I get my counseling degrees, I'm working for the Salvation Army, teaching classes there. I meet my beautiful bride at a meeting, scared to death of her. I I married up, trust me, I married up. 
We've been married over 26 years now. And what happened was as I started uh, settling into married life, I got sedentary. From my 20s to my 30s, I was very skinny as a rail. I got sober at 30. So my mid-30s, I started selling into marriage life. And by the time I was 40, my waist size was matching my age. Okay, not a good thing. Still had no idea. A cousin who's my age put me on Atkins. And over a period of a year on Atkins diet, I lost 100 pounds. And I, but I was doing great, but I was always hungry and that kind of thing. And then you name the diet, I tried it, things like that. Never knew I had a food addiction. It's just I didn't like the way I looked. So I go through my 40s. We have a child in our late 30s. She's 23 now. She's doing her own thing. And my weight keeps growing. Finally, 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 I get to my 50s. And here's the problem. I can no longer walk from my car into the house without being out of breath. Stairs are not going to happen. Things like that's going on. I'm going to doctors, but uh, as you guys know better than me, they just describe a pill. You're going to be diabetic. No one ever looks me in the eyes or, pardon my French, has the balls to tell me, Mark, put the fork down. So I decide because I heard of OA, I go to OA. I try OA. Uh, They're a great program. Don't get me wrong. But they had all these rules. And those that know me, I'm not much of a rules guy. And so I had a hard time talking about, they wanted me to weigh my food. And guys, here's the thing. Last time I used a scale, I was weighing methamphetamines. And so it's kind of not a good thing for me to be around scales. Just saying. So I just don't have a good thing with weighing. So me and OA didn't work out. I tried OA again a couple of years later. This time I was doing Atkins again. And I got an OA sponsor and I got fired from OA because I wouldn't go off my Atkins plan. So it's like, okay, whatever. So here's the thing. November 27th, night, uh, 2017, I'm a pastor. I'm known as a cussing pastor. So if I get a little ribald, sorry, but I'm preparing for a funeral. And I'm putting on my third suit that year that my wife had bought me. And one more time, the suit did not fit. And as I looked in the mirror, I suddenly became very sad. Not at the way I looked, but sad because I had that moment of clarity. The family I'm trying to help had to see me like this. My poor wife and daughter had to continually see me like this. And I made up my mind I had to do something. So I went to the great book of Google that night after the funeral. And I just put two words together, sugar addiction. And up pop bitten, my bitten, your bitten. I love bitten. I love you if you're listening. You know that I love you. And as God would have it, within hours, bitten responded to me. And we started talking. And she gave me the revelation. Mark, you're just as addicted to sugar as you were to drugs and alcohol. What? And Mark, if you work the steps, guess what? You're going to have that same way to get free. What? So I thought, okay, well, where are the groups? Well, Mark, that's the problem. I've got a guy over here in Texas trying to start a group. Let me put you with him. Let's see what you guys can do. So we started this other group together in November 2017, and we tried to make it work. My philosophies and his philosophies didn't always match. And as we started to grow, our philosophies really grew apart. So in May of 2018, several folks, including Bitten, encouraged me to step out on my own. And I started Sugar and Carb Addicts Anonymous, S-C-A-A dot club. And had a nurse in England that helped me. I had a friend in Minnesota that helped me. And for the first four months or so, it was three, four, five. One time we had six people show up and we were like, woo, right? And so we were on and roll with three meetings a week. But what we started noticing was we just focused on the steps. And so that's what this became about. And then when the pandemic hit, as we all know, in 2020, we exploded. We've had over 2,000 people come into the meetings We have an active database of people attending meetings now of just under 450. We should cross 500, I'd say, in the next few months. And so that's what's going on. We have 19 meetings a week. So that's how FCA came to be. And the aha moment was looking in that mirror and understanding 
that I had a problem. And then Bitten, God bless you, Bitten, reaching out to me immediately saying, you're a sugar addict, just like you're a drug addict. And off and running we went. So that's the story. That's such a great story. And it's so funny. I've also met the nurse that you speak of from the UK and I think she's amazing. And she gave me your information and I think we chatted via email and now we follow each other on Instagram and you are by far like, you are like the best supporter. And I just, I always appreciate all the, you know, the emojis on all the posts and stuff like that. So for anybody listening, definitely be sure to follow Mark on Instagram and we'll get all that information before we're done here too. But I just wanted to be sure that they know that you're very active there and it's a a great place to connect for sure. So, okay. So hearing a little bit about how SEA got started, what is it that individuals should expect? Let's say they go to SEA.club, the website, they contact you. What should they expect if they were to show up to a meeting? What happens in a meeting for anyone who's never engaged in a 12-step community before? Can you just kind of explain that to maybe the brand new person? Absolutely. So you're going to come to the website first. And here's why. Because we're on Zoom and we're not on the ground yet, we don't publicize our meeting links just to keep the members safe. You guys probably have experienced people crashing meetings on the go. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. Just tell me about yourself. I don't need to know your whole life history, but you know, are you interested in getting some help with your sugar addiction? And if you have any experience at all, what's your experience with 12 step? Doesn't matter if you have it or not. We don't care. But if you're willing, and what we call is this, if you have a desire to be sugar and bad carb free, you're welcome. That's all we need to know. And then for demographics, I always ask you, you know, your first name, last initial, and what area of the country or what area of the world you're from. That way I can kind of connect you with people as you get going along. And then we send you the link, you come in, you go to the meetings, here's what you're going to find. We are probably the worst at rules. I don't believe in rules. Okay. So we want you to come in. We want you to feel welcome. I'm going to talk about my addiction to popcorn. I'm going to talk about my addiction to peanut butter. So beware. Like I said, I break a lot of rules in the other food programs. And But what we are going to do is we're going to find that common bond. Somehow during the meeting, you're going to hear myself or some other folks share, and you're going to relate to that. And we're going to reach out to you and see how we can help you. And that's what a meeting is going to be about. They last 60 minutes. We don't read a bunch of, you know, rules and regulations. We don't read a bunch of, let me uh, quote this and quote that. We're not that way. We work out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we're not afraid to share that. One of our board members working on get us that official permission right now. So that's what we're trying to do for the growth of SCA. But that's what they can expect. Come in, hang out, and just see if you can identify. Okay, that sounds very welcoming. I think that probably ease a lot of listeners' minds about what's going to happen when they show up in your meeting space. Now, another thing I know that can be a common, I would say, barrier to people showing up in these 12-step groups is the focus on God or this higher power. And so if I'm someone who maybe doesn't believe in this, am I going to still be able to join your program? And what does that look like for me? Oh, absolutely. As long as you can understand that, or at least have the open-mindedness to follow along with this, there's something outside of yourself that can help you. That's all we need. It can be a tree. I don't care. It can be your dog. I don't care. I hope the heck it's not your significant other because that's, that's a whole other situation. You guys are therapists. You know this. But we don't need you to be in a church. We don't need you to believe in God. No, none of that. None of that's been pretty important, okay? Just understand that there's something outside of you that can help you, and you just need to find the willingness to follow that process. That's all. 
Yeah. I mean, oftentimes I find it's just the power of the group, right? Whether Mm -hmm. it be a 12 step room or group therapy or whatever it might be, the group is the power of the group is always going to be so much bigger than any one of the individuals. And oftentimes something happens in the group. And as a facilitator, I'm often like, Oh God, I can't believe that just happened. That was so terrible. And then I get all this feedback from all these people that were like, I can't believe that happened. It blew my mind. It's changed my life. Right. So we have to be open-minded that somebody may say something, share something that is going to be the thing that just opens our mind to new possibilities, to new connections to self, to others, all the things. And that's the spiritual piece. Am I right? Or am I getting Absolutely. this all wrong? Okay. No, that's it. I mean, it's outside yeah. yourself. I mean, you ready for my first higher power? It's in jail. It was Howard. Okay. So how's this work? I had a moment of clarity with my alcohol and drug addiction, and I decided to go to those stupid jelly meetings. My cellmate invited me because they gave away free coffees and donuts if you stuck around. Hey, I'm in, right? I go to the meeting. This short guy stands up on the table. He wasn't a jail inmate. He was a guy from the outside. He's called Hospitals and Institutions, H&I. He said, if you SOBs keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. That's all I heard. Next thing I know, the meeting's over. He's holding up a big book about Clark Thomas. And you guys, man enough to walk up here and ask me, I'll give it to you. I did it the jailhouse way because I had a lot of jail experience. I would have left. I got the book. So later that night, I'm part of my cellmate. He's like, did you like the meeting? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I said, but I don't understand that mumble jumble thing. He goes, oh, he goes, we're praying to my, my, he goes, we're praying to Howard. I go, we're praying to Howard. He goes, yeah, that's my higher power. I go, your power powers. He goes, yeah. He goes, we prayed to him at the end of every meeting. I go, no way. He goes, did you remember the words? I said, no, I was thinking about the coffee and donuts. What'd you guys say? He goes, our father, Lord in heaven, Howard be thy name. And that was my first higher power, guys. Okay, so yeah, you can have whatever you want. Don't matter to me. Oh, I love that story. And that's so, oh gosh, that's so on point. I worked in corrections in the very beginning. I spent a lot of years. So I totally, I can imagine the scene. I can imagine, like you said, like the jailhouse walk and like just the attitude or the fear, you know, whatever you want to call it, just the men who are in that position Mm -hmm. and wanting something, but being afraid sometimes to like take that step because of what that could look like, especially in a setting like that. And then to have that courage and that vulnerability to stick around after and speak to him and get your copy and just be able to move forward. And I just think what a God shot kind of moment in that, right? That's just, that's the magic in our meetings. I, I brought a lot of that into what we do. The Zoom meeting ends, we leave it open, and the host and a few will stick around because, as you know, it takes a lot of courage to go to a meeting, especially even though it's Zoom and you can click off whenever you want to, but you're still there with strangers, okay? And I remember my days when I first came in, I was very uncomfortable with the way I looked, very uncomfortable with the way I felt, and really uncomfortable with what the hell these people are going to think of me, right? And so that's what we try to do. We try to keep it as warm and as open as we can and inviting, and questions are welcome. Ask about anything. We don't care. And that's what I love about this fellowship that we built. Most of the folks that attend that fellowship are of the same belief. You're welcome. We'll answer your questions. Let's see what we can figure out together. Absolutely. Well, I love how you keep saying you're kind of a rule breaker. You're kind of a, no, no, a little, maybe a little punk rock. And it's funny, Clarissa and I were actually just having that conversation before you came on about being a little controversial. And I think sometimes that's needed to change minds, to break down barriers, to get well, right? And so keeping that in mind or knowing that that's kind of part of who you are, how does SCAA and that particular brand of 12-step recovery help people to stay food and sugar sober? Like, can you talk to us a little bit about the nuts and bolts that does go Mm -hmm. into the program? Sure. So basically, again, all we ask is you have a desire to be sugar and bad carb free. And we don't have a food plan. Because as you guys know better than me, 
We've all three here got different colors of eyes and different styles and colors of hair. So how in the heck can we have one hairstyle and one eye color? We can't. And our bodies use food differently. So there's no way we're going to have a food plan. A lot of us use keto. Some folks use paleo. Some folks do this, that, the other. It doesn't matter to us. But the point is we're united to be sugar-free. So how we try to help people stay sober is we really, really not enforce, but encourage the steps. Get a sponsor, work the steps. But we don't work the steps like you're used to seeing, okay? The steps become a discussion. We have a guide that, again, just based off the big book, everything's suggested. I've got a guide that I built, and it's on Amazon. And I give it away for free to anybody in the program because it's where the steps are. But the steps, what we do is you go into the big book and you start writing questions. And that's what we do for the closing question day. The something I tell myself, I got a thing in the big book I want to share, man. If I knew that, then I'd anyway. But so what they're going to do is they're going to hopefully grab a sponsor, hopefully start working the steps. And what really sets us apart is when we get to that fourth step, that inventory step, that dreaded step, that step that nobody wants to do. Now we make a life and food history list going back as far as you can remember. I remember when I was probably five years old, I had my first memory of a soda, Mountain Dew. You guys ever heard of Mountain Dew? Now, I didn't know it then, but I drank that sucker down like a 40-ounce beer. Now, my little buddies, they were sipping on it, having fun with it. It probably lasted them half a day. Oh, no. I drank the whole damn thing down and ran to the bathroom and wanted more. So my addiction was born back then. But we build that life history, okay? Then we build a list of our binge list, our top 25 binge foods. Mashed potatoes, hashed browns, popcorn, Reese's cups, all that stuff that sets me up and I love, you make a list of that. Now we start working our food. And anybody that knows 12-step, it's resentments, fears, and sex. No, sorry, okay? Resentments, yes. Fears, all hell yeah. And relationships, okay? That's how we do this. And how we break it down is this. Your resentments, mine were against Reese's cups. Mine were against... The potato. Why can't I eat a potato like everybody else? Why do I crave them? Those kind of things. That's how we work those resentments. The fears. Okay. Why am I so afraid that I can't live without my potatoes? Why am I so afraid that I can't live? Okay. And then the relationships. Okay. My lust for food affected my marriage and my parenting. My lust for food affected my social life. That kind of thing. So that's what we look at in the inventory. And what we're also doing, which is which is the secret, I'm giving away. You're actually doing steps four, five, six, and seven all at once, even though we're going to break them down. Because tell me the story. Why do you crave popcorn? Tell me the story. Why do you have these Reese's Cups? Tell me the time when you did this. And, and so we're getting that fifth step as we go along. And from that comes our character defects, and that's how we build it. So that's how the steps work. But people that stick around long enough to do that, they fall in love with what we're doing because they finally understand that food is a drug and the issue's not the food. We're uncovering the real issue, and we're discovering where we need to go. And that's why I love you guys. I love my bitten. I love all the other folks, Dr. Ifflin, because we can help our folks go find that professional help they need. And we all need it, myself included. 12-step alone won't keep you sober, okay? It won't happen, okay? And that's the thing that we talk about in here is when they understand that they need to be absent from the sugar, yes, that's, that's a big piece. But staying abstinent, staying stopped is the hard part. And a lot of us need help, not only the fellowship, not only the meeting, but we need therapists. We need a circle of friends or a picket fence of support around us. And that's what we talk about. A lot of that's talked about offline, but that's what we talk about a lot in the meetings. You've got to have that support system around you. Because as you guys know better than me, 
I don't know about you, okay, but I, I tell this in the meetings, okay, 12 DUIs, thank you very much. Yes, I'm good at that. Okay, I'm a professional drinker. I'm retired now. No one's ever pulled me over for having an open bag of Doritos. No one's ever pulled me over for having a big box of ding-dongs, okay? No, because it's accepted. And so it's very hard for us sugar addicts to maintain abstinence in this world because it's just like back in the 30s when they were trying to start AA, it's like, no, no, you just got a little problem with alcohol. Move on. No, this is a freaking addiction. So that's why we want them to understand that we're just one little small, small piece of what you really need to get that holistic approach to being set free. Oh, I love that. That is our language. And I'm just so <laughs> excited that you talk about that because there is sometimes this one-way thinking in 12-step groups that this is all you need. And this mm-hmm. is exactly what you need to do. And you don't want to open yourself up to those outside influences. Mm-hmm. And so to hear that there's this 12-step program that encourages outside therapy addressing all the other issues in our life. It's just, it's so refreshing to hear, Mark. So I'm I'm just more excited to refer more clients to it, really. We're glad to help. Yeah. And one thing I want to add on that is too, the other thing too is I'll get people to come in, well, I'm in OA and I have a sponsor I'm working on this. Great. Hey, stay with it. Stay with it. I'm in FA. I work the steps. Like I said, hey, great. Stay with it. Okay. And three months down the road when they're still just as miserable as they were the day they came in, I ask them, that famous Dr. Phil question, how's that working out for you? Okay. Well, that jumps exactly right into where we want to go. Like, how do I know that this is the right fit for me? And maybe what I'm doing right now, if I am connected to another 12 step or I'm connected to something else, like that, that's not working for me. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And what I've learned from my own experience and from those that have come through our rooms is this. Now, If you ever meet my wife, we are the exact opposites. She's the contractor. You've heard of Home Depot, the big old store. You guys are probably before your time, but remember the TV show called Cheers? Okay. That show. Okay. Remember when Norman would walk in, they'd all turn around the bar and they go, no, right? I walk into Home Depot with my wife. They all go, Tim, and they look at me, they go, oh, you brought him. So I'm the touch, I'm the touchy feely guy. Okay. And she's the contractor, but we get along great. But anyway, so what I love about what we do is I encourage people. Where do you feel the most natural? Where do you feel the most comfortable? And what is your heart telling you? If you're having conflict, you need to look at that. You need to share that with those in your life you trust. But most of the folks that wind up sticking with us through and, and doing steps, or even some of our dual folks that come in and keep through the programs, they share with me, they feel very comfortable coming to our meetings. And what I love about having 19 meetings, we've got all different flavors, all different personalities. And so people can find what works for them. Is there anything that people should be aware of when they're looking for a 12-step program? Like, what are some red flags? Again, we're not trying to poo-poo other programs, but certainly just like not all foods fit for all people, not all meetings are the right fit for people. So can you help us identify some of those red flags that maybe might be something that maybe you would encourage somebody just keep looking. Don't give up yet. You might see this red flag. Don't give up yet. That might not be the meeting for you. Keep looking. Okay. And that's exactly what I do. Let me tell on SCA first. Okay. I, SCA and me, we are not going to be your drama mama. We are not going to be your food drill sergeant. We are not going to be your parole officer. Okay. Not going to happen. No discipline here. Okay. So if you're looking for a discipline program, there's some other fine programs out there that offer a lot of good discipline. Okay. So my encouragement is for any 12-step program, find what you think works for you and explore the meetings. Just like you got to find a grocery store that works for you and you've got to find you know the right car to drive and the right clothes to wear, shop us. Shop all the 12 steps you can because 
I've got friends in OA. I've got friends in FAA. I got friends in ACA. I mean, you name it. I got friends in there. But every little program does something different. So find what you need and find what you're looking for. That's what I always suggest to people. Because those that do leave us, I find, are looking for more discipline. And I get it. We just can't offer it because it's it's not in our DNA. That makes perfect sense. And I guess I just, again, like I'm thinking collectively about my clients or even people who come to the support group that I offer on Fridays. Like there's just kind of like this huge sigh of relief. Like, okay, like I'm not going to get fired day one from the program if I you know, fill in the blank that I'm not going to be shunned if I'm still kind of skeptical, that kind of thing. It sounds like you really try to be this open and warm, welcoming group, but that you're also not these other kind of like rigid things. And if you need those rigid things, if that works for your brain, for your personality type, you need more structure, you need those things. Are you able to refer people to some Absolutely. of those programs? I suggested I'll do it. Yeah. And I always do it privately. So I don't, don't embarrass them, but it's mm-hmm. like, Hey, it sounds like this might be a better fit for you because you're looking for this. So let me share my experience with it. Maybe you can find it there. Yes. And that's what we need. We need somebody that we can direct people to, and you can take an assessment of what their needs and say, mm-hmm. maybe OA is a better fit, or maybe FA is a better fit or gray sheeters or something along those lines. Yeah. I have probably 20 people a week in the website that want to come in. And of the 20, maybe three actually wind up staying with us. Most folks think we're a diet program. Other okay. folks are looking for those disciplines. But those two little emails that I share with people before they become in, into the meeting, that's what I learn. Yeah. And most of the time I'm thinking, well, it sounds like you're looking for this or it sounds like you're looking for that. And always welcome. You're welcome to come try us if you'd like, but maybe you might want to go over here first. So, yeah. Okay. No, that's great. So what is the benefit? Can you let people know, like, what is the benefit <sighs> of completing 12 steps and working with a sponsor for people who have never been in 12 steps or maybe who have gone to 12 step meetings, but have never really gone that extra step? to get the sponsor, that kind of thing. What's the benefit of completing those 12 steps and working with a sponsor? Okay. First off, we're going to talk a little bit about spirituality. So, and let me give you the story first. Okay. Now here's the thing. Now you guys, I know you're way smarter than me because you got more degrees than I got, but can you explain to me when you touch a light switch to turn it on, can you break down the physics and the electrical mechanics and tell me how it works? Probably not. No, I cannot. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you for being honest. So do you find yourself every time you go to a light switch having that debate? Okay, no. That is faith. Every time I put the key in the ignition, and like I said, my wife's the mechanic. I'm not. I know if I turn the key, the car will start. If it doesn't, then I go get my wife because I don't know what to do, right? But I have faith that it's going to start, okay? That's faith. So working the 12 steps with a sponsor, you're going to have what we call that spiritual awakening. And what we teach is this. Addiction is threefold. And I know I'm preaching in the choir here. It's mental, it's physical, and it's spiritual. But I don't want God, Mark. Don't church me out. Okay, no, no, no. You've got to develop a faith in something. Let me ask you this, Mr. Addict or Miss Addict. You had faith every time you gorged on Reese's Cups is going to make you feel better, right? Okay, that's faith. So working the 12 steps is going to help you find that faith you're looking for, or better yet, it's going to help close that hole in your heart that you've been trying to stuff full of food all these years. That's the benefit of working all 12 steps. That's the benefit of building a relationship with a sponsor and starting in a fellowship and getting some good picket fence of friends that you can be accountable with. That's what we do. So great. So question for somebody who is preaching this message in a non-preachy way. I'm wondering what is something that you do for your own sugar addiction recovery every single day, obviously, other than the abstinent food? What are some things that keep you in check? Well, first thing is I 
pre-plan my meals. Now, I've been doing this uh, be four years in November, so I know most mornings I have bacon and pork rinds for my first meal, and that's usually right before you, I came on camera with you guys. So my second meal will be in about six hours, and during the week, it's hot dogs and cheese. That's it. On the weekend, I'll have uh, maybe some oven-baked ribs and some green beans. And But what I'm going after here is I've got a set, boring food plan, but it works for me. That's how I fuel my body. I'll sit at the table tonight and have dinner with my wife and uh, her father. He lives with us now. And they'll eat their pasta, their mashed potatoes, whatever they're going to have, and it doesn't bother me a bit. But daily, I make sure that I do that through uh, an app called the Carb Manager until a change left week on me, and I can't make it work right now. But I pre-plan my meals a day ahead of time, and I send it out to my accountability partners. And that's what I do. It's a habit I've been doing for three-plus years, and I'll keep doing it. I just have to figure out the new uh, upgrade to Carb Manager. It's been weird. But that helps me because I can then see the proteins, the fats, and the carbs and make sure that I'm planning the right way. One thing we learned a long time ago, have you ever heard of um, Texas Roadhouse? It's a chain, okay? We love that. Every two weeks, we go there on Fridays. It's just fun. My wife and I, they have a ground chuck steak, and it's called Roadkill. And you get cheese on it, and you can get onions or mushrooms. And it's keto-friendly, because I'm a keto guy. So the first time we went, we got the ground chuck steak. We got the green beans, because those the green beans are great. And we got the salad with ranch dressing. Cool. Hold the croutons. Thanks. But as I ate that salad, oh, my God. Ting. Twinge. Ooh. The goosebumps? Oh, let me get home and Google that. Sure enough, in the Texas Roadhouse ranch, they add some kind of sugar. So no more. So now I go to the Texas Roadhouse and I have ground check steak and two green beans. I'm good. My wife has the salad because she's not a sugar ex. We're good. But where I'm going with this is my wife and my daughter say I'm very boring, but it works for me. I love a good ribeye steak on Saturday nights after church because we go to church on Saturdays. And I love a good ribeye steak. And about once a month, I'll explode with daringness and I'll have some sweet potato fries. Ooh, hey, I'm a partier, right? Okay, so that's how I do it. That's how I keep myself in check because I have that accountability partners that I email my food out to. And that helps me understand that I'm not eating alone. And it's just a good thing for me. So other than the food, like pre-planning the food, having accountability partners, what other things go into your daily recovery practice? And maybe they may be things that, are just so routine now for you. Like they're just so a part of your lifestyle that it's hard to think about, but we're really trying to help our listeners understand that your life is probably very different today than it was four years ago oh, or, okay. or maybe 30 years ago when you first got into recovery with the other mm -hmm. substances. Okay. Yeah. It's one thing I have to admit, I'm a very fear-based negative person. That's just my humanness. Okay. And what was taught to me early on is when my eyes first roll open in the morning, two words come out of my mouth and one of them rhymes with duck. Okay. I'm just saying. So what I do is I roll right over and I open up morning meditation books. Now, honestly, guys, I cannot remember what I read this morning, but it pulls me out of that negativity. It pulls me out of that fear and I get ready for my day. I go to the gym and I didn't do that four years ago. I had gym memberships and this, this I love you, Dr. Kerr, if you're listening, but Dr. Kerr told me before I lost the weight, Mark, do you belong to a gym? Well, yeah, I think I pay my dues. She well, do you go? Well, no, why? I, yeah. So anyway, I go to the gym now and at the gym, I do, I have some inspirational stuff I post in the mornings and I post those inspirational things and I read some inspirational stuff. I have a Bible that I read and I have my big book that I read. I read those every day, every day my nose is in those two books. Those are my life guides. And I do that. And the one thing I've learned over time is 
and I hope you don't have to bloop, bloop me out here, but I learned long ago, if you see more than three a-holes a day, it's time to look in the mirror. And so I've learned over time to become positive. And that's what I try to do. And I mean, I've sat in meetings before where it's been really bad, where I'm counting just to find positivity that everybody has two eyeballs, that everybody at least has a nose. I mean, that's that kind of stuff. But I've trained my mind to find the good rather than focusing on the negative. And so that's what I do all day long. And the best thing for me is I try to do something to help somebody else without drawing attention to myself. Okay. From helping the old lady put the case of water in her car in the parking lot in the grocery to just, you know, you can do the pay it forward stuff that everybody does, but just trying to look somebody right in the eye and mean it and say, how are you doing today? Rather than just passing them by. Those things pull me out of myself and they keep me humble and blessed that I have another day of abstinence and I have another day to walk in freedom. Yeah. So great. I think we had a treatment group last night and somebody said, you've got to give it to get it. Right. Yeah, and exactly. That's exactly what you were just speaking to. Yep. So I imagine in all these years of recovery, there has been some challenges that have come up mm-hmm. for you. Can you speak about any of these challenges and how you were able to manage them? Oh, absolutely. When I first started on this journey, now, mind you guys, I've done hundreds of journeys before this. And, you know, you lose, I mean, guys, guys lose 20 pounds. It's time to party because guys can lose 20 pounds in two weeks because it's all water weight, right? Boom, party time. And so I start on this journey and I don't tell anybody this time. It's like, you know what? Shut your mouth and just start doing it. And then people start noticing. Everybody notices before you do, right? And so they're like, well, okay, now I'm a pastor, guys, and I'm always at church events. And if you've been around churches, there's always food. Not healthy food. It's always sugary food, carby food. And so this is the benefit of having a higher power in your life. The first time I'm at this church event, I'm very nervous because I'm going to speak, but before I speak, it's going to have to have food. So I get there and it's the spaghetti with the garlic bread with the whatever sugar dressing salad and the big desserts. And so I eat before I go because I'm on my meal plan and it was a hot dogs and cheese night with my pork rinds because pork rinds are my addiction. I'm sorry. I'll start a group of that next year. But anyway, so the church host that had been cooking all day looks at me like, well, is there something wrong? And I swear... Miss Clarissa and Miss Molly, this came out of my mouth without me even thinking about it. Yeah, they found out I'm allergic to pasta. She's like, oh, I go, yeah, I break out. Oh, now I didn't go on to tell her I break out in a binge and eat the whole damn bowl and want more. I just stopped to break out and let her imagination run wild. Oh, well, we don't want you to have that. Well, what about dessert? That's the other thing, too. As they discovered I was allergic to pasta, I'm allergic to sugar and I break out too. Oh, you can't. Yeah, I'm no, I, I had my food before I came. So that was a hard time getting the family to accept what I was doing because, oh no, it's another damn diet. Oh no, how long is this going to last? Because he's going to get grouchy because he can't have his food, right? It didn't happen this time. I was so, the keto and the pork rinds, that's my go to, had me so full, I wasn't really craving anymore. So that happens. Now, Let's talk about real life today. Stress happens, okay? Bad things happen. This past Sunday night, Monday morning, my wife, I thought, was having a stroke. She called me, uh, and she wasn't in the bedroom. At 2 in the morning, I found her in the living room. She could not move. She could barely talk. So as much as she protested, I called 911. They took her to the hospital. Turns out to be cerebral migraines. We've dealt with them for years. It's just been so long since we had them. But right then and there, guess what hit me, guys? I was hungry. And as I left to follow the ambulance to the hospital, the thought came, well, grab your father-in-law's bag of donuts and take them with you. Now, thank God I've got the program because like putting my hand on a hot stove, you know, no, I don't need to do that. But 
that thought, because of the stress, lasted longer than it normally would have in me. You know, once or twice a day, you know, a donut will cross my mind or a Reese's cup will cross my mind, and I just, it just goes right back out. But that time, because of the stress, it came. Okay. My daughter, who's an entrepreneur, she's getting ready to start, I think, her own business here pretty soon. But there's a lot of fear there, concern as a father, because I think, Molly, I know you're a parent and maybe your kids are doing the things you want them to do. But when they get 23, they still don't want to do what you want them to do. Trust me. Okay. But the fear comes there. And so the cravings come, the stress come. And again, I entertain thoughts of food and it's like, you know what? It's not a solution. So that's how I deal. But if I can't solve it on my own, I reach out. I know I have fellow travelers. I know I have accountability partners and I know they're either going to take my call or my text and they're going to reach out and say, Hey, let me help you. So that's what I do. I think that's such a great answer. It's just so real. You know, it's just so real. It's not this like, oh, I imagine I would whatever or no, 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 no. I mean, this is definitely coming from lived experience. And I just I appreciate that just human to human. And I think our listeners will appreciate that. Hearing you talk about that, it brought up something for me is what we so often lack, at least Clarissa and I have struggled with this as far as clients go. And maybe it's not necessarily true in SCAA or 12-step programs in general around food is that there is this, we lack the male perspective in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. It just seems like the men and maybe, maybe men are attracted to other men clinicians in this field. I'm not sure, but I'm so used to working with men with all the other substances and process addictions that, I mean, it's been a real shift for me to work with women. And so being a male, I was just wondering, you know, what are the barriers? What are men up against that makes it harder for them to come to these meetings or reach out for help? What special considerations do we need to be keeping in mind working with men? It's funny you say that. And I'm glad you did, because here's the thing. Out of all of our members, we have less than 10% that are male. And what it is, is this. Let's go back to the beginning of AA. AA was all men and very few women. Because back then, God forbid a woman have a problem, let alone talk about it, let alone go get help for it. Okay? Reverse that. Here we are today. Now, I'm not going to go on the bender that men are being emaciated in society, but our culture has changed. Our times have changed. And we're more equal now than we've ever been, which I love. But men are now afraid that asking for help shows weakness. They don't understand it's a sign of strength. Spirituality and then the steps will teach you that. I'm sorry, I was advertising. But here's what we're doing is men are afraid to come into these rooms, in my experience, because they first have to admit they have a problem. Secondly, they have to talk about that F word, feelings. Yeah, okay. And they also have to talk about emotions. And so men are just not trained to do that. Turn on a TV program that's going to show a man emoting. I'd like to see that. I don't, I don't see it, Okay. And so that's been my experience, and that's my opinion. But we have a men's meeting on Sundays for SCAA, and if we have four, we're partying, okay? I'm just saying. And it's just the men won't come. But what we have learned that keeps those four coming is this. We just let them talk. We don't, well, let's get to step one. Let's, no, 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 okay? Talk about how your wife's driving you crazy. Talk about how your boss sucks. Or talk. We don't care. Just talk. And then I'll throw in there, or the host will throw in there, And so did sugar solve it for you? And that's about as close to a meeting as we get. But I'm learning that's keeping those guys showing up. So that's my experience on that. 
Yeah, it sounds like you've found a way to create a safe space for these men to share. And I imagine every time they do, more rapport is built in that group. And it just, you know, then you start to dig a little deeper each time. And that's that's the recovery journey that we're on, right? Exactly. Yeah. You don't have to have the 12 steps to work. When the day you sign on the dotted line, you're not going to have them done in three months. Okay. It takes what it takes. It's not a race, you mean? It's not a race. (laughs) Or my favorite one is just because you sign up on Monday, you're not going to have the 12 steps done on Sunday by the end of the week and you're not going to be graduated. Nobody graduates this program. I'm sorry. I hate to break your hearts. Nobody graduates. Okay. We're not going to cure you. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I signed up with a checklist and I was like, okay, this is what I need to do here. And uh, if we could just have this done. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And then I'm going to get on with my life. Okay. That works for you. It works for me. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So can I ask you, what do you think is the thing that you needed to hear when you were first starting this recovery journey. For anyone out there listening, what is something maybe you wish you knew or like, we're, maybe we're just looking for a little hope right now. Yeah, it's, we can overcome this. I came in way above 350 pounds. I've lost 127 pounds, okay? And if I can do it, you can do it. Now, what that means is the hope for me is this. I found I was not alone. I wasn't the only person after the cheesecake was put away at night, thinking, scheming, plotting, and planning how to get up after everybody's asleep to devour the whole damn thing and blame the dog, right? I'm not alone. And I won't be alone, and I can get help. That's where the hope is. And again, everybody does it differently, but we all use the same 12 suggestions. But because we're different and unique, those suggestions get unique to us and help us find our way to abstinence. And it does happen. I think that's the fear, right? That so many of us have is that like, there's something broken and wrong with us. And we're the only one that has this issue. And so, and we're bad. This is our punishment. This is our lot in life or whatever that might be. And I think that's just such an important message is like, if that's the thing that you needed to hear in the beginning, I'm sure there's plenty of people listening today that that's what they need to hear too, in order to take that first step to get into a group. I mean, Clarissa and I, again, like how you were saying 12 step is not treatment. It's not the thing that's going to keep you there, right? Like doing what you need to do. And, and so often Clarissa and I have the same message for our clients, this one-on-one stuff, or even group therapy is not the thing. Like you also need to go out there and find this other community. You need to build a life that you want to live. And that's going to come from working with other people who are on the same journey as you, who are going to say, Hey, I got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. And the first thought that came to my mind was there was X, Y, and Z in the refrigerator. And I started to go for it, right? Like you need to hear that you're not alone in that. And you can't always get that when you're working with a professional, like we have our space in the recovery world. 12 step has its space or community in general has its space. And I think it's just really important. So thank you for sharing that. How do we get people to connect with you and SCAA? What is the easiest route for you, for them to get this whole process started if they're interested? Hit the website, sca.club, and look at the contact us or just about every page has an email link on there. Click that email. It comes right to me and I'll reach out to you. I answer email quicker than anything else. Ask my wife and daughter. Tell us about the other forms of social media that you're on so that they can find you too. Like, I think there might, I know there's Instagram. So what's your handle at Instagram? Um, Are you on Facebook? That kind of thing. Yeah, it's Instagram. It's going to be my main ministry. And don't let me scare you off. One of the worst things you can do is let people know you're pastor because they run away from you. See, my dog got upset. You hearing barking? He's a pastor. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> it's Faith 
through Works Fellowship. Actually, I'll have to look all this stuff up and email to you guys because I don't know. But on Instagram, I think I'm Faith Through Works Fellowship. And on Facebook, it's under me, Mark Farley. But you'll see all my group, Spiritual Solutions Group. Uh, There's the the Sugar, the SCA group. I'm turning over to SCA, the entity, to get out of the middle of that because my spiritual stuff scares people away. (laughs) But um, (laughs) anyway, so but that's where you can find me. But the easiest thing is just shoot me an email. That's probably the quickest way to get a hold of me. And I respond to those. I mean, it's rarely, I take my, here I go pastor talk, I take my Sabbath. So from Friday at 2 p.m. until Saturday at 2 p.m., my computer is closed. But the rest of the week, I usually respond within a few hours. Hey, you know, we don't need to be religious or spiritual to say a social detox, media detox is good for all of us. We should all be doing that. So we have a signature question and it is, what would you tell a younger version of yourself about sugar addiction or sugar addiction recovery? So you're going to be speaking to little Mark. Oh my God. What a rebel he was. Let me show you. I know this is this is my 30-year-old big book. Okay, I have to keep it in here because it's so old. And had little Mark heard page 52. And I'm going to read just a portion to you guys. But this is how scratched up it looks to you guys. Feel the colors of the blood in there. All right, so this is what I felt most of my life, even before I knew I was an alcoholic or an addict. But here's what I would say. We had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. Eight little steps here. One, we were having trouble with personal relationships. Two, we couldn't control our emotional natures. Three, we were prey to misery and depression. Four, we couldn't make a living. Five, we had a feeling of uselessness. Six, we were full of fear. Seven, we were unhappy. And eight, we couldn't seem to be a real help to other people. Was not the basic solution of these bedevilments more important than anything else? Now, why I wish I would have told myself this is I'm not alone. Everybody has trouble with personal relationships. I was numbing it with the sugar. I was numbing it with the carbs, okay? I couldn't control my emotional natures, okay? You might look at me wrong and hurt my feelings. Oh my gosh, I need fried chicken, okay? No, no, fried chicken's not gonna solve that. Wake up, okay? We were prey to misery and depression. Here's my buttons, push them, push them, okay? No, you know, you're just as human as me. You're just as prone to mistakes as me. And, and well, if you get stick on the knees, crap comes sliding out of my mouth before I can stop it sometimes, okay? So it just happens, okay? That kind of thing. And then finally, we were full of fear. I'm still a fear-based person, guys. I'll never outgrow that, but my fear no longer controls me. That's the best part about it. And then unhappy, yeah, I was clinically depressed or some kind of depressed, but that's why back then the chemicals made sense and that's why the sugar made sense, okay? It lifted me for a moment, okay? And then finally, I couldn't seem to be a real help to other people. Who the hell cares about helping somebody else? It's about me. Oh, wait a second. I'm not going to be on the news tonight. Oh, wait a second. I don't have my own show like Seinfeld. Never mind. I'm not that important. So anyway, if I could have shown myself this way back when, maybe life would have turned out differently. But thank God I found this program because if I hadn't, I'd either be six feet under or, as Miss Molly can probably attest, somebody's unwilling girlfriend in prison. Oh, Mark, both me and Molly, for the listeners that can't see, we are just smiling. We've been smiling through this whole episode. It's just you are such a bright light and such a pleasure to listen to as you speak about recovery and what is done for you in your life and how you love to help others and what your 12-step program is all about. So thank you so much for sharing and being so vulnerable today and being so hilarious too, of course. <laughs> it's, it's the medication. 
No, it's not. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's life. It's living life. It's life. Free yeah. of that, right? Just yeah. free of the bondage that is that disease. Oh. And yeah. yeah, this is recovery, folks. So I don't know. I mean, again, you guys can't see Mark, but if you can hear it through your earbuds today, this is living life in color. And we just appreciate you being here, Mark, to share in that and give that hope and just give a perspective for another 12-step option, but also that spiritual piece and how this really is a mind-body-soul conundrum that we really have to address everything. Absolutely. All right. You have a great day. Thanks, you all. Love you guys. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Food Junkies, Recovery from Food Addiction. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Sugar Free for Life Support Group, I'm Sweet Enough. You can subscribe to our show in iTunes or Stitchers. That way you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Don't forget to pick up your copy of Dr. Tarman's book, Food Junkies, which is available on Amazon. If you have any additional questions, both Molly and Clarissa are food addiction professionals and work one-on-one with clients. You can find their websites and email addresses in the show notes. Be sure to tune in every Friday when our new episodes drop. As Vera loves to say, the power is ours.